name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O dayspring, splendor of eternal light, and sun of righteousness, come and enlighten those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Amen. Today is December 21st, the shortest day of the year and the longest night. Have you heard the claim that Christians replaced the pagan celebration of the winter solstice with their own holiday in order to suppress paganism? In fact, our date for the birth of Christ has nothing to do with the winter solstice. It was a tradition among the Jews that prophets died on the day they were conceived. Jesus died on March 25th. But since we celebrate our Lord's death and resurrection according to the phases of the moon and not the sun, March 25th has long been celebrated as the day Jesus was conceived. When Gabriel came to Mary and announced that she would bear a son and call his name Jesus. Human life that ends in death begins at conception, not birth. We of all people know this. God himself assumed our human flesh and blood to save all human life from eternal death. For the first three centuries of the Christian church, it was the Annunciation of our Lord on March 25th that served as the chief occasion to celebrate the Incarnation of the Son of God. Early in the 4th century, however, an influential heretic named Arius started to deny the true divinity of Jesus. Faithful Christians began to counter his lie by correctly insisting that the child to whom Mary gave birth was God himself. They called her the God-bearer, the mother of God. This was not to praise or worship Mary. It was a way of confessing as clearly as possible that Mary's son did not save us by showing us how we too might do as he did and earn the status as sons of God. No, the son of Mary was none other than the eternal and only begotten son of God himself. And he saves us not by helping us fulfill God's law with an example to follow, he saves us by fulfilling God's law for us as our substitute. The gospel does not teach us how sinful men can become good enough to be called sons of God. The gospel teaches us how the holy God became man to save sinners. It is not according to our merit, but according to his mercy that he saved us. In order to help their children confess this truth, Christians began to celebrate this truth. They counted nine months from the agreed-upon date of his conception, and every year on December 25th, they began to celebrate Jesus' birth. He leads us to heaven. He leads us to heaven not by attaining divine status and showing us how to do the same. No, he leads us to heaven by assuming our flesh and blood. He lays aside the honor of his eternal status as God of God and light of light, choosing instead to humble himself as a little child in a manger. In lowliness he was born, 
In meekness, he joined sinners in their misery and sorrow. He came to bear our guilt. God of God makes us children of God by making himself our brother. Light of light makes us children of light by revealing his eternal Godhead in mercy toward us. It is no wonder that Christmas has been so cherished as a particularly precious holiday for children. As with every good tradition in the church, our celebration of Christmas began with a pointed defense against doctrinal error. The best defense against lies that threaten our faith is a clear and joyful confession of the truth upon which our faith depends. The best way to confess the truth is to celebrate the truth. The claim that, the, that Christmas was an attempt to replace the winter solstice is also silly for another obvious reason. Today is the winter solstice, but as we all know, today is not Christmas. Our fathers in the faith were not unaware that today, not Christmas, is the shortest day of the year. The prayer I prayed to open this sermon was written about 1,500 years ago, and for many centuries was chanted on this day of Advent, December 21st, every year. It is more familiar to us, perhaps, in the words of the hymn from only about 1,200 years ago. O come thou day spring from on high, and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of the night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. So the early Christians did, in fact, replace the pagan celebration of the winter solstice after all. You bet they did. Not with a grand celebration of human confusion, though, but with a solemn prayer. They recognized the darkness, and they saw in the darkness of the winter days a symbolic reflection of the spiritual darkness all around them, and indeed in their own hearts. So instead of celebrating the coming lengthening of days as the pagans did, who knew of no greater light than the natural sun, Christians prepared to celebrate the birth of Christ, who is himself the light who gives light to all men coming into the world. Since it is Advent and not yet Christmas, I thought it would be fitting that we hear this evening about the Annunciation and birth of him who was not that light, but who came to bear witness of that light. His name was John. He came to, bear, to prepare the way of the Lord he did this by telling everyone to repent of his sins. He did what the prophet Malachi said he would do 400 years earlier. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. John came to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. How does this prepare us to receive the Lord. When fathers love their children and children love their fathers, there is peace. Hardly is there greater joy in our homes than when there is love between parents and their children. 
But this familiar love that we know and cherish and share presence with one another in order to bring to expression this love is not what we celebrate at Christmas. It is perhaps what we often look forward to the most, but it is not what we celebrate. We don't prepare our homes for Christmas by perfecting our love for each other. No, we prepare for the celebration of the birth of God in human flesh by acknowledging where our love fails. Our love for one another fails because our love for God fails. So we prepare for a greater love than our own. We prepare to receive a greater love than God has ever even required of any man. A love only fully revealed when he himself became a man. Our children need a greater love than the love in our hearts toward them. They need to know God's love toward sinners. And we do too. The love of God toward us is none other than the eternal love of Father and Son. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Here is God's love. Here is the love we need. It is tender mercy. It is knowledge of salvation known only in the forgiveness of our sins. It is brought to us from the day spring from on high. From on high. Day spring is a beautiful word for dawn. Jesus is the dawn that comes from on high. He is not a man who rises up to God. He is God who condescends to us in our need. He visits us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. He guides our feet into the way of peace. He who makes peace for us by bearing our sin reconciles us to our holy God with his own blood. He changes our hearts to seek peace with each other. He does this by filling our hearts with peace that only God can give. Jesus called John more than a prophet, but he wasn't more than a man. His conception was a miracle, but his birth was like any other. His natural father was a sinner like the rest of us. Zacharias doubted God's word as many fathers do. It is a sin to doubt God's word. It is a sin to avoid hearing it. It is a sin to neglect to teach it to your children. Zechariah asked the angel how he knew his message was true. And Gabriel rebuked him sternly. God stopped his mouth and made him mute until his son was born. How fitting. This is exactly what his son was born to do. John would proclaim the law of God, and we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Romans 3.19. This is how we are prepared for the birth of Jesus. We must be silent and learn to listen. We must be taught to stop with our excuses, our self-defenses and self-promotions, John came in the spirit and power of Elijah. This means he boldly spoke what men don't want to hear and what less than prophets are too timid to say. It's a sin to teach your children by the example you set that learning God's word is for kids and not for grown-ups. Malachi said that he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. The angel Gabriel rephrased the prophecy to show us exactly what it, 
what it means. John was born to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Children are disobedient because their fathers are disobedient. What they need more than to turn their affections to their earthly fathers who love them and want to see their faces glow with excitement this Christmas. What they need more is for their fathers to give them wisdom. They need the wisdom that gives them what God's Son was born, lived, died, and rose to win. We can't buy our children's affection by spending money at them, and we can't buy God's salvation and approval for either ourselves or those we love. But we can acknowledge our sin to God, and in our hearts we can confess where our love has failed. We can turn our hearts to him who loves our children more than we know how. We can teach our children of this love. We can show our children that we love what we want them to love. We can repent of our sins and flee to Jesus who forgives us our sins. It is called the wisdom of the just. And we all need it. God justifies the disobedient by clothing them in the obedience of his son. God's foolishness is wiser than men. It is the wisdom of the just. The world mocks it, and even Christian fathers and mothers all too easily neglect it. But our children need it. Fathers and mothers, we all need what our children need. We need to turn our hearts to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose heart and pity is turned to us. We need to hear what our children have been proclaiming to us and what they'll keep singing, God willing, for the rest of their lives. They've been singing what our fathers are commanded to teach their children to depend upon in all distress and to flee to in all danger. They have been preparing us for a very merry and blessed Christmas. God turns our hearts to each other, as Malachi said, lest he strike the earth with a curse. Oh, thank God he did not curse our darkness. He joined it. He lit a candle. He bore our curse in his own body and soul, and he rose again to bless us. He gives us light in our hearts to love him and to love each other by teaching us to love his word. He gives us the truth that is worth celebrating. He gives us knowledge of salvation in Christ our Savior, God's eternal Son, who was born to give us all new birth as children of God through faith in his mercy. We do not grope in the darkness for temporal treasures that fade away. We abide in the light of Christ that shines through the gospel we hear, ever brighter unto the perfect and everlasting day. From the manger, newborn light shines in glory through the night. Darkness there no more resides. In this light, faith now abides. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard our hearts and our minds in Christ unto eternal life. Amen.